Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Productivity Mastery, the podcast in which we try and feature some of the most inspiring and accomplished leaders, leaders who, who are not just uh, inspiring us with, uh, with the example and story, but they're actually good people, uh, really giving people. And I'm really, really excited to have somebody uh, who's been a contributor also to our book, Perform the Unsexy Truth About Startup Success. She is a kick-ass lady from Estonia, Heidi, uh, the founder and CEO of Thunderbeam. How are you this morning, Heidi? Good. Good morning. Good morning. I've had my uh, cup of coffee. So that's something what I do every single morning. I need to get my cup of uh, coffee. So I've got my coffee. All good. Wow. So, so that's your morning routine. You get your coffee. That's, and... that's my morning routine. My, even my kids, they both know they should not talk to mom uh, until she has uh, got uh, her uh, first uh, cup of uh, coffee. So I'm wow. really not a morning person and those crazy flights that uh, I used to take at 5 a.m. in the morning or 6 a.m. in the morning. This, these were the moments of the founder's life where you question, why do I do it? <laughs> I, I wish I knew so I wouldn't invite you to have the <laughs> podcast in the morning. Oh, but no, hey. no, 9 a.m. <laughs> is nothing, nothing compared to 5 a.m. Fantastic. Uh, all right. So... Um, Let's start from there, uh, Kaidi. Could you maybe share with us a little bit about your background um, and why, why did you decide to embark on a journey of uh, building Thunderbeam uh, in the first place? I'm Estonian. As you said at the beginning, that's something uh, maybe that describes me uh, a lot because uh, Estonians, you know, we're a very small country uh, up here in the north with 1.3 million uh, inhabitants or residents. But um, it's also the country that has a very strong uh, STEM uh, background, uh, logical thinking, pragmatism in, in the best, uh, best way. Uh, and I happened to be the first IT lawyer in Estonia when the country was building up itself after they after we regained the independence uh, from Soviet Union. And, um, and during those five years working with the government, um, that introduced me the power of uh, technology and that the technology is a tool and enabler. Uh, and uh, then I joined the uh, stock exchange uh, group, Estonian stock exchange group. And, and the funny thing about the stock exchange is that because I'm trained as a lawyer <clears throat> and they recruited me to run uh, one of their uh, huge uh, tech uh, projects. And so I get to know the uh, or I got to know the, the stock exchange and trading and securities and everything. I never, ever thought that I find my passion in, in uh, securities, but here I am. So I became the CEO first of their um, uh, post-trade service providers, uh, the Central Securities Depository, and then the CEO of the whole local exchange. And when I left, then I left uh, from NASDAQ Group. So we've been uh, uh, acquired by first Finnish stock exchange and then the Swedish stock exchange, all, all, all of these. 
But um, uh, during those stock exchange uh, years, when I looked around what's happening in the world and the development of uh, technology, the easy access to growth capital, private capital, and companies stayed private longer and longer, then we understood that, hey, there's actually an opportunity of building the true secondary marketplace for, for private companies. And, and that's how uh, Thunderbeam uh, was uh, born. And uh, if you go back to the early days of Thunderbeam, how was that for you? Because many people now may be listening and they came across Thunderbeam, successful company, you know, over 40 people and so on. But I'm curious to hear the early days. What was the real picture? How many hours did you work <laughs> per week? Did you have to go through many obstacles? Yeah, I would say the early early days and the early hours, uh, the first year of the startup year is pure fun. That's always, that's what I've been talking to all the founders. The first year you still have a time and you're looking for what you're going to do and people are okay for you to looking for your own way because the investors that support early, early hours of, of the company, they support the people. And they support this kind of a grand plan, what they have. And, and if the, the people are strong, then the grand plan is always going uh, to take part, <laughs> going to happen. Um, for me, it was a big change because, you know, being a CEO of the local stock exchange and then all of a sudden bootstrapping, all of a sudden having no uh, high floor corner office, uh, I remember the first uh, time when um, uh, we had five people and we were looking for the office and I had to find the office. So I said, all right, OK, so where do we find the office spaces in Tallinn? And once we've done it, so the question number uh, two was because we have no IKEA in Estonia or at least we didn't have any IKEA. Where do I get the furniture? So these this type of things, it's crazy things uh, back back on, on those years and all the lawyers and the employment agreements and absolutely everything besides uh, running the business and buying coffee and, and all of it. So the, the early, uh, the first year is, is the most fun. The second and the third year is basically to build the vision, whatever it takes. Um, and um, uh, but I would say the toughest years are the years when you have to take the product and and start monetizing it, and then you get the truth. Only then you get the truth. So as soon as you can start monetizing your product, uh, as soon as possible, then do it, do it, do it, do it, because then the then the truth hits your face, and then the second phase starts when you have to reinvent your product. Fantastic. And if, if you can go back in time now to the first year, what would be your advice to, to the younger version of yourself in terms of like, would you tell yourself you got to focus on customers earlier or like, what would be your advice? My advice would also actually be a bit different. I would say that um, uh, think carefully what you want to do, have a good uh, team and raise as little as possible. Because early years when you raise the funds and you're kind of uh, still looking for how to serve the customers and how uh, do you go after the, the dream, uh, then we dilute ourselves as a founders to the mistake. 
and mistakes are easy to come when we have too much uh, funds raised. So I would raise uh, as little as possible and focus on introducing the product and starting to monetize it. These, these are two things, what I would do uh, differently. But in our case, in the Funderbeam case, that's in a way a bit different story because we started to build something that didn't exist. Uh, the uh, global funding and specifically secondaries marketplace for private companies, the way we do it, it's, it's to be a pioneer and, and it's crazy difficult to be a pioneer. It's to be a pioneer in the regulation and in getting the proper licenses across the world and, and um, uh, changing the habits and, and everything. So that's, uh, that, that's <laughs> been rollercoaster years for, for us. Sounds overwhelming. Was there was there a time in in the early stages when you were you were like, that's it. I mean, I'm done. I, I need not to the early stages. You know, the early stages. Uh, you have still the power, and you have a big dream, and you know all all the uh, all the motivation and speeches that I have a dream, and you go after the dream, and you have the fresh energy, and then people super cool there backing you. But in in later years, when um, when founders get burnt out, and uh, like I mentioned, I recovered from uh, two burnouts uh, during the years. These are the tough years when you're really in, in the deep deep uh, bottom with yourself as a founder, then you think, okay, that's it. It's not that the business should give up, but I will give up. I will give the floor to somebody else and and let them uh, run it. These, these are like on, on the founder journey, maybe the most difficult years. And thank you for sharing that with us. And and, and I, I wrote on my phone a quote that uh, you actually wrote me a message uh, last week and you mentioned this specific uh, phrase, Dark times are the fertilizer to the better times and more focused leadership. And and I wanted to kind of uh, get into this topic a little bit. Do you think we're painting a little bit of a twisted picture about the founder's journey and we focus a little bit too much on the bright side? Like, what, what is the reality? <laughs> Should we talk more about the dark the yes, I, I would say uh, not too uh, too little, too much. We focus on the bright side because in the founder journey, it's about um, you solve the problems absolutely every single day. You wake up in the morning, you open your computer or the phone and you're going to, all right, here we go again. Uh, and... Uh, and all the stories about the uh, success of uh, of the companies and new unicorns and and another uh, unicorn that's all hard work all hard work so like so many founders say that hey they kind of think that the success came overnight no it came because of 10 tough uh, years but in a way those years are also rewarding because I think the uh, in the founders, this kind of a good emotion or, or success is self-generating. You solve a problem and you give yourself an award. And then you solve another problem and you bring a new client or you raise another fund or, or you open a new market, all, all these kind of things. So, uh, um, yes, we're alone in the top. There's, you know, the wind is blowing and only some lone 
lonely founders and lonely executives there, but you have to learn how to uh, reward uh, yourself of, of for 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 the little uh, little steps, little achievements, and obviously not to forget the uh, the reward the team or actually very often founders uh, first reward the team and then forget themselves. So maybe we should say vice versa is that don't forget to reward yourself. I love, I love that you're sharing that Katie. And um, I just uh, been coaching uh, startups from a startup accelerator. And I, sometimes I send them some questions as a, as mm -hmm. a quiz of where do they see themselves? What's their vision? Mm -hmm. And, and just yesterday I received um you know, two out of the seven startups that uh, that uh, filled in the quiz uh, when they're talking about the vision was we in five years we're going to be a unicorn and and then I, I love you smiling on that and then there's the another two who were market leaders uh, you know the biggest share in the market that, and it's like I love that people have very ambitious vision and I think okay. it's super important for anybody uh, but at the same time somehow by painting those pictures of the very few success cases and unicorns mm -hmm. and you know estonia is the mm -hmm. country of uh, most unicorns per capita mm -hmm. and so on and so forth somehow we we get a little bit delusional and not so much you know yeah i i had the, the another fantastic founder the founder of reebok joe foster was mm -hmm. uh, was a guest uh, on the podcast and mm -hmm. and he shared that for them it was like we were working non-stop for mm -hmm. 20 years Mm -hmm. before we finally made it and, and mm -hmm. he had six failed attempts to make it to the yeah. american market which was kind yeah. of a lot of burnouts uh, and but then again people see the story the mm -hmm. end story the final product and, yes and um yeah yeah that's that's true and i think we should also uh, every single founder should uh rephrase what is success what is success to them is is the success truly that i built the unicorn or what is the success because um, uh, now there are, it's, it's very, very good timing to discuss the things. There's uh, Beijing Olympic, uh, Winter Olympic Games, right? And there's so many uh, top athletes that fly to Beijing and all of a sudden they discover they have the COVID, meaning they can't compete. They can't compete for the Olympic medal because they're just sick and they've been training and doing hard work for four years. It's exactly like a startup founder. You get the day and night and nutrition and what do you eat? Where do you go? No parties, no Christmas, whatever, chicken, nothing. You basically go for the medal and then you get the COVID. So what is it? Is it I failed because of this or what's how how do we keep going and 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 that's for every single founder you don't know why we won't become a unicorn nobody else knows but uh, just to uh, build the future for becoming a unicorn or becoming a market leader it may change because it has nothing to do uh, with us and when i was Coached when I was the CEO of of the stock exchange, we were coached coached by a uh, Danish um, uh, coach, who is also the coach for Olympic uh, sportsmen and our athletes. And that's exactly what he said: is that what if you don't get the medal because you break your arm? 
then you have to uh, build the success on your journey, not on the end uh, result. And and that's that what what in a way changed me of thinking what the success is, and uh, how do I define myself as a successful founder? Or how do I define Fonderbeam as a successful company? All all these kind of things. This is such a powerful question. What does success mean to me? Yeah. Instead of kind of taking the common definition, which, you know, we have to build a unicorn. Yeah, but why? What, what's like, exactly. just because the company's valued, that number. So what, like, what, exactly. is, the, what is the meaning behind it? There's, there's sort of people, yes. I want to be a billionaire. Why? Why? Really? Exactly. Do you really want, like, do you know what's coming yeah. with it? Yeah. <laughs> the jury yeah, of actually ex going exactly. there. Exactly. Read, read the story about what it means to be a billionaire. <laughs> That's yeah, don't, don't watch Hollywood movies. Don't watch no. Hollywood movies. Don't, no, don't go no, and no. talk to some of the real people. I had a I had a guy on the podcast, Simon. He's amazing. He's a billionaire coach. So he actually works with many, many individuals um, at that range, helping them to, you know, with coaching, with uh, a lot of things. And he spends a lot of time with that. And, and he shared with me, there's a lot of, sadness and and depression and and not necessarily he'll describe them as the happiest people right like what yeah. is success for you why do you build this company at the end of the day what do you want to bring for yourself yeah. and for the team around you yes yeah 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 there's uh, uh also when uh, when we discuss among estonian uh founders or or the fellow uh, founders then uh very often the success actually is when you reach your dream uh, the dream of doing something like, uh, like uh, I don't know, for Fonderbeam, it's about that we really have built and enable the secondaries for for the startup uh, companies or the for for the global tech companies. Are we unicorn or not? That doesn't define our success. Our success is defined. Have we cracked the code? Have we really been able to build it? So, so far, we've, we have been doing it. We have an amazing technology. We have all the licenses. We can cover the whole Europe and, and go to Asia and, and ready to go to US. And, and when our, uh, not only competitors, but, but potential uh, strategic partners look at us, they say that, like, really, you built the new stock market? And then you feel yourself like, okay, yes, yes. We did it, but we're not yet unicorn. So, is it a success? I think it is. And I, I can just uh, observe and notice how your your voice and you know became more passionate when you start speaking about the <laughs> you know how you're making a change, how you're making an impact yeah. with with your product. And I'm sure the team is yeah. super super excited about it as well. And as you know, um, in the book that you are very kindly. Uh, contributing mm -hmm. to perform mm -hmm. the unsexy truth about startup success. The, the first chapter is purpose and values and alignment on why do we do what we do? What is the bigger picture? How, mm -hmm. how does our product reflect on the challenges and actually makes the world in some way better? And I wonder, because you mentioned team that was very important for you at the early stages and later on, how important was it for you to to find this purpose and to find people who believe in the same thing that you do? Uh, not hard because uh, very few job interviews. And until this year, I was doing all the job interviews because even the final candidates, because I wanted to pick the people 
um, uh, to the team because for me uh, there's a saying I think it's also written in in the book is that we do the team building during the job interviews after that when we recruit the wrong people then it's just the cost you can't start building a team and and this kind of demotivation and and uh, and all of it uh, once the recruiting is done you have to pick the right people and then they're gonna build up their their own uh, team so so it is um, in a way important to understand if the people know where they're joining and why they're joining and our always the first question is why Funderby and then they explain why why they want to uh, join so uh, majority of them uh, share the passion of uh, of uh, building something uh, that is so much different building it globally and uh, and then it's then it's easy and um, just to follow up on that one i think it would be interesting to hear your opinion on this as well because i think a challenge for many especially early stage founders is we don't have enough funds to get the the best people out there and uh, they get tempted to to hire somebody who might be potentially good in what they do skills performance but they're not necessarily a good culture fit. But it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, we can afford this guy. Uh, he can do the job. Let's get the person on board. I wonder what's your take on that? Like, uh, if somebody's not a culture fit, what what do we do? We <clears throat> we um, the way we recruit is that we first go through the professional background. If this person is able to do the job, because Funderbeam is a bit different because we are a fintech service and will provide the trading of securities, which is the, one of the most highly regulated uh, services you could ever pick from the list of, of what problem to start solving. So whoever listened this uh, podcast never start building a new stock market from the scratch. So that's that's like my takeaway from, from this uh, journey. So you, you must be just insane uh, to do it. But here we are, right? I, I mean, founders are insane. So... <laughs> And um, uh, and then the uh, once the professional background is done, so people understand the business, they understand the um, uh, financial sector terminology, then we uh, uh, hire only because of cultural fit. If they don't fit, uh, we're going to start solving the problem between the employees, between the team members, between the teams, all this kind of stuff. So instead of uh, solving the problems of the customers, we solve internal problems. And we don't want that. Yeah, and, and, and that's what many founders figure out sometimes, unfortunately, by hiring somebody who yeah. was really not a good culture fit. And then yeah. they're like, I wish we didn't hire this person. There's like a beautiful, beautiful saying, you fire for the skills, uh, you hire for the skills, you fire for the attitude. That's it. And hopefully you don't need to get there at the first place. So you actually very careful who you bring on board. Of course, everybody's yeah. making mistakes. There are surprises. There are surprises in the journey where we even discussed over the years. We discussed with, with uh, our HR people that how couldn't we crack this this person during the job interview? All of us, all of us. So uh, be ready for the surprises. But these are minority, like massive minority.
That's right. When you're intentional, you still might have some unexpected occurrences, but it you know it still minimizes it. Just like anything with entrepreneurship and being a founder, you are dealing with uncertainty on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. You're navigating uncertainty, and I'm wondering, Kyrie, how, how do you how do you manage that? Like I can imagine working for the stock exchange perhaps in some ways probably it was a little bit more certain while mm -hmm. you go back to now i have to build my thing and it's this massive kind of innovation how did you learn to navigate uncertainty and unexpected circumstances you don't learn it before you learn it by doing you to, you you get into the uncertainty and then you just solve it and then you solve it and then you solve it and and whenever the new one arises then, then you kind of know it you have no choice you have to make a decision you just there's like and you have to stand up i mean uh, also the stock market you know what all uh, what is happening around the stock markets in the world every every market is is red and every stock is red so our market is not uh, different from that and then you also not only have to navigate with how to build the product and how to uh, take new markets, but also think, look at the uh, market index and, and global market indexes are falling and we're part of the global market. So all these things, then investors start to ask like, okay, okay, it's burning. And then you have to tell them startup investments are not for the speculation. It's for five to eight years and keep it and hold it and look at the look at the results the companies present because majority of fundamental marketplace companies they just announced their 2021 results these are wow uh very very good uh results so this kind of education and all of all of it but it it comes in in time and and when the problem arises and this uncertainty arises you you have to find a solution but uh it's um, um Running a startup, it's not about the founder. Uh, founder, it's about the founder building the team that helps to to navigate through the uncertainties. And uh, founder has to have a couple of key people to talk to when it's really late in the night and you see something. Then you have to be able to to talk to the person to call or Slack or whatever it is. And and that's also how you how you get through it through the team and and through a couple of people around you. Do Do you have any any kind of a practice or a way when when you hear bad news or or something happens uh, and gets you off balance? What do you do to get back to a more productive uh, mental state? Uh, I think I've been trained uh, during my um, my uh, my years of being a orienteer or orienteer. My sports was orienteering, and orienteering is when you run in the forest with a map, and uh, there are controls in the forest. You have to pick those controls in the right order, not to make mistakes during the journey so it's about making decisions failing making another decision making it right and then ending up in the finish so but the, the whole journey was about making decisions in the critical situation where your brain and your whole body is basically in red but you still have to make a decision 
and and that helps me uh, a lot right now when when we have some um, and obviously in, in the founder journey you find this months or quarters or maybe half a year when you really work under the pressure then um, this for me it works uh, under the stress and under the pressure I'm the most productive doof, 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 doof. then once this period is over that's tough time that's like you you you've solved the situation things have calmed down and then you kind of get sick or you do this or that or <laughs> mental breakdown or, or all of it but every single uh, uh, and a person has to find a moment or a two or the action or activity where he or she feels really happy and then just go into it if it's just reading a book then just take a couple of days and just read a book do nothing or listen to music or go away or or hire or uh, get the cabin in in the forest to go there so every everyone is is different but uh, the trick is to listen to yourself and not listen to too many podcasts sorry <laughs> it's not about that but listen to yourself so that's sometimes what we do wrong as as the leaders is that we try to build ourselves into somebody we're not so first listen to yourself and pick the best advices from all the podcasts and books and articles and and everything and and that's what at the end or in the end helps yeah, because nobody's going to handle pressure the same way Kaidi handles pressure because you're unique you know yourself and you know how you you can work under such circumstances yeah yeah it is because the fun funniest story is the other fellow uh estonian female founder and she always goes in the morning she has a morning run plus uh, we have a frozen sea but you still can jump in the sea uh, and that's popular in Estonia. You, you, they, really, it's it's like a whatever ice swimming. And she said, "Oh, do it, do it, because it wakes me up and all this kind of thing." I said, "I'm not the morning person. I'm not going to jump into the sea. I've tried. It doesn't help me. I'm down the whole day if if I go to the morning uh, run or if I jump into the icy water in the morning. So that's not my thing." I jump in the icy water in the evening. That's like my thing. So we're, we're very different still, both Estonian founders, female founders started kind of the same time. She jumps in the icy, icy water in the morning and I do in the evening. <laughs> that's, that's right. You, you have to experiment and, 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 and try things out. On, on the opposite side, of course, you can't assume something doesn't work for you if you haven't tried it. At least it feels right. But, but when yep. you do... When you do, and it's like yeah. you're not a morning person. You know yeah. yourself. You, you you're have, doing, you're doing that's right. exactly that's exactly how to try. That's what I uh, teach my kids. How do you know you don't like it if you don't try it? Try. Fantastic. We have a question coming from uh, Kitya. I mm -hmm. hope I pronounce her name well. Kitya Zalaiskalna. and uh, she's referring back to the conversation we had about uh, hiring. So what she said is, hello, Heidi, you said that you look at person's skills first and only then their culture. In my opinion, it would be more efficient to look at your culture first and only then skills because culture won't change and skills 
can be learned. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, depends on the skills. In, uh, and that's what I said in, uh, in our case, in the InfoNRBIM case. We want, uh, and, and that's, we learned the hard way, actually. We learned the hard way. Uh, people have to understand financial sector. They have to speak the language. They have to understand the complexity of the product we are building. And, and these skills, if they start learning uh, when they need to be productive during the Fundabim years, so uh, we might lose the whole year if we teach and train somebody instead of uh, uh, them delivering. So that's why when we do, for example, uh, the... Um, uh, we we were recruiting a chief legal uh, from uh, London and we got the brilliant candidate. We got like 30 or we got 45 applications. So how do we distinct um, some person from the others? So uh, we check the uh, professional background and the skills first, that they understand the industry, that they understand what the IPO is, that they understand the um, uh, securities as, as instruments and all of these. So we picked um, 15 out of them, uh, had job interviews. And during those job interviews, then we already started to match the person and the personalities and the culture. So the final uh, two candidates were only based on, yes, they have a professional background, what they need, but they were the two best cultural uh, fit uh, for Funderbeam. So that's, that's what I mean uh, with it. And, and the, the other funny story, uh, I have to share it with, with everybody. We recruited um, a CFO uh, from London. He's an investment banker five years ago. Uh, Tom, if you watch it, uh, hi. <laughs> and, uh, um, and it was his uh, first day uh, in Fondabim. And then we had a circle of, of the employees. And uh, he introduced himself and blah, blah, blah. And he said that, yeah. I have a master's of ancient Greek and Latin. And we were all like, what? We recruited a CFO. And now you're telling us you have ancient Greek and Latin. But uh, uh, then he explained, and that's what I think is super smart for all the London investment bankers, is that they recruit the... Um, and uh, they recruit their first layer of employees based on the ability to think and based on the ability to solve problems, logically think, uh, to understand the complexities of the problem. Because like uh, Tom said, the skill set of what the investment banker needs is going to be um, uh, taught and, um, and uh, educated by the bank. But you can't train logical thinking and, and this kind of seeing a problem. So um, uh, we have an investment banker as a CFO, but he studied ancient Greek and, and uh, Latin. So that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty amazing uh, story. That's, that's a great story. And <laughs> Kitia, thank you so much for asking this question. I just want to... Uh, invite everybody who's listening to us live to if you have any questions uh make sure to post it in the comments and we'll try to get some more um kind you mentioned a couple of times your kids and um i'm just uh i'm just trying to imagine what was it for you to you know building this ambitious company uh raising two kids like how do you actually um 
you know, manage your personal, your professional life? I think you manage it in case you don't start uh, um, building the difference between personal life and professional life. When you're founder, you're founder full time. Your family belongs to your founder life. Your company belongs to the family life. So this kind of uh, artificial uh, difference between the professional and personal life, I don't think it works. And it doesn't work because it only produces guilt. So you always feel guilty. Oh, it's like 6 p.m. I can't leave the office because then the employees look that I don't work and I don't contribute the hard as the founder, but then the kids are at home. Uh, that doesn't work. So you're the founder full time and you're the mom full time and you're the husband and, and uh, father full time or all of it. Uh, you have to make those two work together. If And and what, what I've done, for example, I've shared a couple of the stories. I've taken the kids with me to some of my uh, uh, business travels and to the startup event, and especially when you're the speaker, you're going to ask, do you, do you give the uh, access to my kids? And then the both of the boys have seen me on the stages. They've been touching the most amazing technologies, been talking to the other founders, investors, uh now that um, uh, we got the uh, global license from Singapore, we've been living two years in Singapore. So they got to know the Singapore as the country, as the culture, as the, um, as, as I say, prologue to Asian culture. Uh, they studied in the international schools. You, you have to just make those uh, two things uh, work and, and, it's it's the best you can do. Otherwise, you're going to be always followed by guilt, guilt, and guilt. So from what I hear, the first step is the acceptance that this is yeah. the this is the yeah. reality I've chosen. This is this is how it goes. Yes, yes. And then and, and they you explain the kids what they do and and what we also started to do with my husband. Sometimes we discuss the uh, uh, work problems with the kids and uh, see uh, what would they do. And, and if I have, how do I solve the problem? And, and, and once I told my 14-year-old son uh, that um, maybe I solve it. If you don't do with, with my employee, if you don't do this, then this happens. And then he looks at me and said, mom, you can't do it because it's blackmailing. You can't blackmail your employees. You should take a very different tone. You learn from the best, <laughs> the new generation. <laughs> I love it. This is so cool. Uh, the we ha I had a guest recently. His name is Dr. Alden Kass, and he's a Wall Street psychologist. Uh -huh. And he shared his formula for happiness is happiness equals reality divided by expectations. Yes. How, how do we? How do we? How do we? Getting peace with expectations, right? You know, and, and that thing that's the the, the the balance we talk about because you want to be ambitious, you want to set yeah. huge yeah. goals, but then how do we let go if things don't go the way we plan? There is, um, uh, I think, uh, uh, two ways. What do you expect? You have to expect what you believe you can deliver, or you and your team uh, can deliver. 
do I believe that we can build the best secondaries marketplace? Yes, I do believe. With the team, yes, we build it. Now the question is, what is the best? Um, and uh, and the expectations to me as mom, what do I want? Do I want it to be the best mom because of my actions or because of how the kids see me? And I would like them to see me as, as the best mom and, and the best founder, like who is best founder? If the employees say, oh, we have super cool founder, maybe that's, that's what, what it is. So I don't have to take them to school or the, when we talk about the kids, I don't have to take them to school every morning and then to the training session and then to the piano and then to the judo. And, and then over the weekend, they don't need to go to tennis and skiing and they don't have to deliver only the A grades in, in the school. I don't think that's me being the best uh, mom. And the same goes with, with the founder. Who is the best founder? Who are you? And, and that's, that's when it goes, yes. Yes. And, and what, what we very often do in, in this super connected world is that we pick the best, best, if you start thinking, best from 20 best founders in the world. Okay, he's the, the best speaker, so I should speak like he does. And she's the best motivation uh, within the team, so I, so I should be this, this. And basically, we create the superhuman and then we want to be the superhuman. That doesn't work. <laughs> when I started my speaking career, I would watch it all these, uh, you know, Tony Robbins and uh, Les Brown and Mel Robbins, all these kind of incredible speakers. And I'll compare myself to them. And I'll be like, I'm not that good. It's like, dude, they've done it for 40 years. And yeah. they're the best in the world. How do you yeah. expect to have to give on three speeches and be like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but you have to learn from the best, obviously. But you create a superhuman out of 20, the best of the best people in the world. That I don't think is, is the reality we should create or expectation to create ourselves as, as founders. And founders as super achievers. And, and you know, the thing about super achievers is how do you let go often? Uh, and I'll tell you a story. When... when um, you know, with all this social isolation and uh, restrictions during the pandemic, it was a period I wasn't going much to the gym, right? Because you're locked home. And a friend of mine, he's he's very good in finding a way to do it no matter what, like go outside, do something. Mm -hmm. And he was in a great shape. And he was like, Stoyan, let's, let me bring you to the gym. Literally, they opened the gym. Come with me. And I'm like, okay. And I have this kind of a competitive spirit, especially when it comes to sports. And mm -hmm. And we started to, to do certain exercises and he's leading me and showing me the exercises. And at some point I realized I want to do as, as many as he does, right? Because I need to perform. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he saw me he, and he was really intuitive and he saw me and he was like, if you do more than 10, everything is a bonus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, that was like, that was like a moment of, you know, profound moment of what if I, if I lower my expectations, I don't need motivation. I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. I wake up motivated, right? I don't need motivation. For me, it's more about the opposite is, is to, to appreciate the achievement. And mm -hmm. the, the moment he said that actually I did more than, than I was planning to, but I didn't have the pressure of, 
I yes. need to make it yes. work. Yes, and that's that's a brilliant example. There's even uh, one book which name I can't recall my uh, right now, but uh, nevertheless, it's about not becoming brilliant tomorrow. It's about like you said, do ten exercises today and add one tomorrow, and then add another one next week, and add another one next week. So with this little achievements, achievements, this kind of getting 3% better every single day in three years' time, do your math. And the beautiful thing is if you set yourself to do 10 push-ups, you might actually do 20 and you'll be happy. Or you'll, you'll do, you'll do, you'll do. I'll do um, the plank. And you kind of say that, okay, you'll do 40, uh, 45 seconds. And then all of a sudden you figure out it's 115, 120, and you simply can do it. You simply can do it. <laughs> the, the power of, uh, I think there was uh, a book, there's many books around that, but it was a book, uh, Mini Habits, which was all about kind mm -hmm. of setting those kind of. So those of you who are overachievers, definitely um, appreciation, celebration, um, and, and talking about these kind of topics, actually, I love one of the the quotes, the passages we included in the book from, from you, Katie, was, um, and I'm going to read it, um, as a CEO, you are the chief motivation officer. Even when you feel down, you have to drive the team forward. All eyes are on you. If you stop believing, your team will stop believing. Could you, could you talk to me about that, like... Um, did you, did you have any of those moments that you felt like everything is burning, but but I need to be the strong pillar in the team yeah. and, and to, to lead yeah. everybody? That's always, that's uh, that's what the founders uh, do. It's it's like in the in the family. So mom always have to have a good spirit. Uh, but but the founders have, have the same. Um, uh, and even when I was the CEO of the stock exchange, uh, one morning and that was this kind of wake up uh, call for me one morning i my office was was the last one so i had to walk the whole corridor and we had glass walls and absolutely everything i was sitting down having my morning coffee opened the computer and it took only like 15 minutes when the hr manager came and say okay what's wrong i said nothing no 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 you're really serious What's wrong? Because people are asking, is, is there something wrong? There was nothing wrong, nothing. It was just one of those mornings when you wake up and the sky is dark and the morning is dark and you haven't had your coffee and then you've been sitting in the traffic jam and all these kind of tiny little stupid things. Uh, but you can't let like, that. You always have to be like that. Even when you walk to the office and you're like crazy tired, because the eyes are on you, and the toughest uh, moments are when you when you're down. As as the founder, you're really down, or you're going through this burnout or something. Then first, uh, to get yourself up, and then to get the team up, and then you get the business up. These are the tough times. So that's one of my uh, takeaways during the years. And, and what I also, a couple of my friends now setting up their own VC funds, uh, I asked them to put in the investment terms that at least two weeks a year, founder has to take a uh, holiday. I mean, like a proper holiday with check-in, no Slack, no emails, nothing. 
uh, because the energy that the founder needs to build up himself or herself again and then go and build up the team again once after he or she is, is down, that's the double or maybe even triple uh, energy. So it's so much cheaper to take holiday when it's time to take rest, when it's time, take like Sundays, always Sundays off or Saturdays, whatever is easy, be off off uh, or, or will pay very high uh, price. Right, the, the power to to rest and unplug fully in yeah. order to recharge. Yeah. And, and as you said, we, we are, as founders, we, we are the example that everybody is modeling. If you are overworking, you can expect everybody in the team to be yeah. properly taking breaks and taking care yes. of the energy and so on. But I wonder, since from my observation, you are you're really somebody who built resilience and, and, and mental toughness uh, during these years, how do we help our team to, to, to build up those skills when it comes to resilience, when it comes to mental toughness, dealing with stress? How do we help and coach our team to, to do that? Do, do we have to? Do we have to do 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 they start? Well, we kind of all expect as a leaders that uh, the employees need to uh, take twenty four seven shifts for for the five years. What gives us the right to burn them, the other humans? We we haven't built them. We haven't we haven't built their uh, self confidence. We can't destroy it. Uh, and uh, I think for the founder, it is actually to go and notice that's the first job that we need to do. If we can't have our own eyes across the whole team because they're all around the globe or something, have somebody who keeps an eye on the team and notices what is happening. And if somebody is, is uh, too overworked or too tired or too stressed, then go and, and um, uh, help and say, okay, next week. You're gonna be off, and that's that's how you how you get this uh, reward. Um, I don't believe that that we we need to start building um, uh, the the mental uh, toughness uh, of of the employees. Yes, they're gonna grow together with us, but it should not go through burning them uh, out one by one. I love that you're actually saying we need to pay even extra attention on on the more so-called softer parts of being a leader with empathy with with understanding with observing and and trying to understand uh is everybody all right okay productivity and results that's one thing but mm -hmm. what about a joyful journey what about the people people's well-being and yeah. um, especially in times of you know isolation working from home I had a conversation with a executive from Denmark and he said, my biggest struggle is it's hard for me to, to see and understand yep. when people are not well, yep. because on yep. zoom, everybody yep. puts a face and yeah, it's yep. fine. Yep. Um, yes, and, yes, you know. yes, it is tough. Yes, it is tough. So uh, these are the questions. What you ask is, is how do you develop yourself as a leader or, or those tough times? You have to teach yourself the new skill set. How do you see people when the screen is between you? Mm -hmm. so, some people hire somebody and, and they've never seen them in, in person, right? Ah, 
Yeah, our chief legal, he's been working for us for six months before he, he could fly because they are in London. Because before he could fly to Tallinn, where we have uh, close to two thirds of, of the team. And when he entered the room, that was when the first time I saw him, because during the, the COVID, everything was locked. And I looked at Andrew and I said, Andrew, welcome. This person, me, really exists. This office really exists. These people you've been working last six months, they actually exist. <laughs> but was he taller than you expected? Uh, I think, yes. I, I yes, had some was. of these meetings where, you know, talk to somebody for two years, then you meet them in person. It's like, wow, <laughs> you're so tall, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes. There's, there's all these all these kind of things, all these kind of things. Uh, it's it's true. And, and I don't know if, if you have something because we haven't spoken about that, but uh, do you do you have any anything that maybe you guys do in Thunderbeam related to this more of a software side i give you an example some companies like to do because we're working from home friday quizzes with the team do something fun or or you know there's many leaders i've spoken to that are prioritizing more time in which they just call their people and they don't talk about work it's just how are you feeling what's mm. up you know just mm. do, do you have any any specific practices that you you do or you do you guys do in Thunder Beam? Well, yeah, there are a couple of things uh, what we do because we have offices in five different uh, countries in very different time zones. So we basically we can't drink beer together on Friday nights because when the UK is ready to drink a beer, then Singapore is asleep already. So uh, this this these things <laughs> doesn't work. And that's what makes a bit uh, complicated, all this fun and Christmas and, and everything. And, and in Singapore, Christmas is a different thing. Yesterday, they celebrated the Chinese New Year and they had two days off and the tiger and everything. So how do you accommodate this culture into the European, uh, very Christian uh, culture? Uh, but uh, one thing what we do, we always celebrate uh, one's birthday. And we always send the cake, no matter where she or, or he is. So the cake will be delivered and, and the team is delivering the cake. So we, we, we have fun around the, the birthdays. I always send a song uh, from YouTube to the person. That means that I really have to know everybody. So the songs come from 90s or 80s or 60s until the songs from the cartoons and all of it. It's super funny. And, so, and so I... It's a personal song for personal for song. So I, I really uh, pick the song. I, I sometimes take um, half an hour to pick the song. So that really speaks uh, to the person. And there's fun all, all of it. So those who've been uh, growing up together during the Soviet time, we had this crazy Soviet mu movie. So sometimes we pick the song from there and then we laugh uh, together. So this this uh, this unites plus uh, Plus this local events, uh, what we host, and and yes, we talk to people. So it's it's um, it goes uh, based on the time zones and and on the cultures actually. What's what can be done uh, together? But it's so much easier now. So that at least the whole Europe has uh, now travelled to Tallinn, and and our people have been travelling to our offices. So it's it's good, and we so much hope, we so much hope that we can have our offsite. 
uh, this uh, spring in in Croatia because we have we have team in in Croatia and business in Croatia, so people are so much looking forward to it. But we'll go with the flow. What what makes for you? This is actually something many people are curious about as well. What for you? What is an effective um, team of site? What does what are the elements of of an effective team of site? When they have a time to talk together, uh, I mean, there's like two type of team of sites. Like I said, we don't need to do the team building because people know each other and we hire them based on the values and based on the culture. So when they come together, they start parading from the minute one because they don't need to know who the other person is because they all know each other. That's that's the way we built the, the culture. So it's it's letting them party, letting them have fun together, letting them do sports together, get to know the different cultures, like all the Thunder Beamers have been in Estonian sauna, every one of them, only one recent, which we hired from Singapore because she, she still haven't had the chance to, to travel here. And then they all talk about it, that, oh, the Estonian sauna, okay, I really need to prepare because later I need to jump into the cold pond or, or uh, something. And, and then all, all, the, all the different nationalities, they, they teach uh, stuff from, from their culture. But I think it's really having fun and letting them be free. So the one offsite is, is super well organized one hour by the other hour, but the other is just if you let them drive and, and I see when people drive the event, they it's their event. So everybody who's listening, uh, you gotta try the famous Estonian sauna. So make sure next time you have a team offsite, uh, consider it. Uh, consider it's a... it there's you don't know you even can't imagine how many millions or tens of millions have been raised from the vcs by estonian founders who forced the vcs to go with them to sauna and when you're sitting in 90 and 100 degrees and then you jump into the pond and then go to sauna basically you can't say no because there's no power at one point left in you to say no boom here's a productivity <laughs> hack for everybody <laughs> Okay, how, to just... raise, how to raise funds from the VC. Like... There you go. <laughs> Bring them to the sauna. Um, <laughs> final question, uh, Katie, because I want to respect your time. In, um, talking about time, mm -hmm. how do you manage your time? I mean, you, you, are, you should have some specific process or method. Like, what do you do to, you know, to prioritize on a day-to-day -day basis? I'll, um, I have, um, uh, for the founders, I try not to dig into the daily matters too much because the daily matters are the most time consuming. Um, daily matters are um, taken care by the team leads. And for me, every Monday, I uh, set three goals for myself, which are the most important goals I need to achieve by the end of the week like three very important client calls or when it's a fundraise or when what do I need to achieve by the end of the week? So I need to do it. And whatever I do, I prioritize based on, on those activities. I also respect my time on because um, uh, being in Estonia and then all the, uh, all the possible events you could go and attend and give a speech and, and all the working groups that 
built by the government and the ministry ABC. So what do you do? Um, and and where do you put your free time and, and where not? And the other thing what I've also done is um, I haven't installed the Slack to my phone. I have a Slack in my computer, but not in my phone, meaning that when it's an evening, I don't uh, check these uh, constant notifications and neither I do over the weekend. When I open the computer, then I do the work on there. I'm focusing, but I don't distract my focus um, uh, in the evenings and over the weekend. So this kind of, I mentally rest. And when it's time to work, then I fully, fully work. So this, that was something what I learned after, after my last uh, uh, burnout that uh, I'm not gonna install Slack to my phone. So hope I hope everybody listening gets some some good <laughs> notes here. And um, Katie, where could people just to wrap up this episode? Where could people find you and and people interested actually to uh, to explore Funder Beam? Who are mm -hmm. people who might be interested uh, to to join the platform and yeah. Okay, yeah, the uh, the first funderbeam.com very easy. Uh, you go there, and and those who should use funderbeam are the founders who want to fundraise for the company because we have investors from 132 countries. So you can you can engage your communities as uh, shareholders, your clients, uh, but also raise through our marketplace. So the founders who are already founders of pretty mature company and you need to get only want to get some liquidity or to give some liquidity for your employees so we can even create this kind of a private uh, trading pool a pool of secondaries within your your company's uh, cap table so so come and come and talk to us i uh, i'm i think linkedin is is maybe the best there's only one Kaidi Rusalp in the whole world. So I'm not like John Smith. <laughs> uh, so Google and I'm there and, and get in touch. Thank you so much, everybody. You got to go and check out funderbean.com. And uh, I'm very, very honored and and, and happy to, to have a chance uh, for have uh, Kaidi to be here with us and share her lessons and her experience. Thank you so much, Kaidi. And Thank thanks you. everyone for listening, for joining us episode 93 meaning there's 92 more super super exciting episodes make sure to subscribe on spotify apple podcast share this episode with a friend who needs to listen to it thank you so much and see you once again at the next episode of productivity mastery thank you guys for listening and if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performers and boost your productivity make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.